Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, episode number 73 with Chris Manning, who's a distinguished clinical professor of finance, real estate, and entrepreneurship at Loyola Marymount University. He's authored and co-authored more than 30 articles published in both academic and professional journals, including the Harvard Business Review, and he continues to serve on the editorial board of the Journal of Real Estate Research. My name is Andrea Samadhi, and if you're new here, I'm a former educator who created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research, along with high-performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific strategies or ideas that you can implement immediately to take your results to the next level. Today, we have Chris Manning, I'll tell you a little bit about him before I introduce him. He co-authored the book, NeuroWisdom, The New Brain Science of Money, Happiness, and Success with my mentor, Mark Robert Waldman, and he's the only business professor I know who applies contemplative values and empathetic dialogue when working with his executive MBA students and corporate leaders. It is in many ways the psychology of business and work under one umbrella. Thank you so much, Chris, for agreeing to come on the podcast and sharing with our audience your knowledge on the brain as it relates to business success. My pleasure, Andrea. It's good to be with you today. Thanks so much. Now, Chris, I just met you in person last week on Mark Waldman's webinar, but I've known about you for years through Mark Waldman, and I didn't know about your interest and vision to bring this concept that you call neuro-wisdom to your executive MBA students. As simple as possible for our podcast listeners, can you explain what neuro-wisdom is all about? I'd be happy to, Andrea. Essentially, neurowisdom is about learning to use your brain better, to be more self-aware and self-directed, to better achieve your goals and enjoy your life more. Several years ago, Mark and I published our research findings uh, gathered while teaching our Loyola Marymount University Executive MBA students in our neuroleadership course, and we discovered that uh, while we wanted it to be a popular book, we also want to be available as a textbook uh, for our neuroleadership course at Leo Marymount. Uh, this book uh, has now been turned into an online interactive course complete with audios and videos to help people learn how to use their own brains better. Uh, I'd recommend your listeners uh, if they you might want to go to markrobertwaldman.com and just check out our new and improved online neurowisdom interactive flipbook course, which is complete now with audios and videos. And you might also check out and look over the 10 free ebooks that relate to uh, neurowisdom. But in essence, our book discusses a practical application. That's key because if it's not useful, I'm not interested in teaching my students about it. The book discusses the practical application of this recent neuroscience discoveries about our brains that can enable a person to learn more efficiently <clears throat> with less stress and more joy to become more successful at whatever that means to them, whether it's in their career, uh, their relationships, an advanced graduate degree, or merely making more money, which is my 
primary area initially of finance, investing, and real estate. Well, I love that, Chris. And I've actually looked at both. I've read NeuroWisdom, the book. I've looked at the flip book and seen the interactive uh, concept to it. And, and I've gone on Mark's website and he has tons of resources that he shares so readily with everyone to try to teach us these concepts. So we all want to learn how to apply the most current neuroscience research. And that's why I really found Mark in the first place. But what are the practical, useful applications of the most recent neuroscience discoveries that your book explains so that people listening can say, well, I'd like to use this in my daily life? Well, in general terms, uh, Mark and I refer to the practical applications under the heading of the four pillars of wealth. Uh, and this refers both to a person's search for outer wealth, money and power and uh, fame, but also inner wealth, joy and happiness. And they are really more about <clears throat> how to take better advantage of your brain's natural patterns and tendencies to better learn and achieve things in life. I used to like to ride horses when I was younger and they're big animals. You don't want to fight their nature. If they want to go do something, you just want to control it. So just like working out in a gym, you want to control your body and your brain's unique tendencies to make life easier. Why swim upstream and go downstream and make life work easier? Now, while most people often get in the way or block their natural healthy motivations and curiosity, to have a more truly fulfilling life, our book explains in detail, with a lot of exercises, how to accept and take advantage of these four natural brain circuits in everyone's brain that supports our learning, wanting, and achieving whatever we want in life. I love it, I love it. And when I first saw these <clears throat> pillars, these pillars are a lot like the um, competencies for social emotional learning that they're teaching in the schools now to motivate students. So I didn't know that these pillars are brain circuits that you're gonna go over. So you're gonna mention them all, but I never really thought about them as being brain circuits. So do you mean that we all have a motivation circuit? We all have a decision-making circuit? a creativity circuit, an awareness circuit? Is that how it works? Yes, we have many other circuits. and We can organize our neurons in many ways, create future habits and patterns, but these more natural ways to grow and learn and become successful uh, were intuitively things I discovered over my 75 years of life. And when I met Mark, we worked together 15 years ago, it was great to learn that there's scientific reasons for what worked and all the various things I'd accomplished, done, and enjoyed. Uh, because my highest priority in life is lifestyle and living well, which is even discussed in our work in the book. Uh, but the four circuits you're talking about, <clears throat> I'd like to just uh, hit on a couple of aspects of each of those to illustrate how uh, a little common sense or awareness of just what works and what doesn't can really help trigger people's 
natural learning and common sense about how not to fight themselves, how to live better. And since LMU, Loyola Marymount is a Jesuit university where we teach the whole person, and I really gravitated to that when I uh, joined that other faculty, uh, it was a natural thing for our executive MBA program to teach people how to be better people in many, many ways, be more effective. And frankly, from a practical standpoint, we had a lot of executive MBA students overwhelmed with work and overwhelmed with school, dropping out of the program with too much stress. And the director said, come on, is there a better way we can help people learn? And I work with Mark and experiment things. And sure enough, it turned out, not only did the dropouts and the joy uh, increased dramatically in our executive MBA students, but most importantly, where they complained about wasting time on some besides accounting and finance when they started learning these things. At the end, they said, this should be a part of every MBA program in the United States. Wow. They were just shocked and surprised at their experience of how it changed their life. And that's what our, our work is about, is demonstrating through people's own experience. So for example, uh, pillar number one, now, yeah, we're all motivated, we all got desire, but I never knew anything about dopamine, a natural drug that gives us a high, that is behind the very first pillar of uh, our four pillars of wealth that Mark explained that, hey, without dopamine and desire, we didn't even want to get out of bed in the morning. I began to think about that. And then even indicated that just contemplating going after things and contemplating that we'll achieve them during the day, like you know, brushing our teeth and cooking breakfast or going to work. Those are forms of minor successes that when focused on, we can drug ourselves out and have a good time. <laughs> Why not? Why yeah. not enjoy our natural drug addictions free? Why pay money and then worry about having to go into re rehab to get over it? Wow. This one's free, just don't, lose sight of the other opportunities our brains offers. So <clears throat> key to uh, our desire is our curiosity, which is so essential to um, wanting to learn and getting a drug for just being curious. So uh, educators and business leaders should encourage and support our students as we did. And employees should, should employers should encourage their employees' natural desire and curiosity to further their energy and good health and not block or discourage or get in the way of this extremely important natural brain function uh, that even releases a, a high through a drug. Um, so, so can, can I just ask, when you were on the call last week and you asked us to all think about our vision, what do we want? We should all be working towards something. Uh, is that employing this part? This is our motivation circuit. When we're thinking about what we really want, it's what keeps us going, right? Like having a goal or having something we're working towards. Is that what you mean by this? And that's why that you asked that question just to launch us. Yes, and I want to give you a chance to focus 
on what will give you a drug and get your juices and health and energy going. Um, and then from there, we go into building uh, our skills in pillar number two of, the, uh, of our four pillars of wealth, which is basically our prefrontal cortex, which is our decision-making centers where we're consci conscious of our thought processes. Uh, we have goals, we go after them, but we also have inner speech. And we can't turn the darn thing off. And so we can uh, just uh, date, well, we actually aren't dating at this point. We're just thinking uh, about how to accomplish things, get things done, our goals, getting our, uh, pursuing our desires, uh, exploring curiosity. But here is a key thing people don't understand about this decision-making network in their brains. They understand they worry they understand they have anxiety. I knew that. I didn't like it. Uh, but I never realized it was a dead end. I never realized that I just had to get out of it in order to get things done and be creative and feel good about life. Once I became uh, more aware and started conditioning myself to, oh, yeah, notice I'm worried. Notice it's valid. Notice I'm anxious. Okay, great. But then, as uh, we have uh, talked about in uh, the work that Mark and I have uh, taught to our executive MBAs, we have been able to talk about how, gee, notice at the same time that you're concerned about something that don't you want it different? Think about that. And here comes the need for creativity. That's positive. All people have to do is say, I don't like what's happening. I don't like working. I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't like doing that. I don't want that. Great. How are you going to change it? And here's where focus and creativity come in. So you say, oh, what can I do? And then you creatively be going to a positive place. And before you know it, you're using the third pillar to come up with experimentation that allows you to change your life, learn faster, and get your goals faster. And that's what I'm uh, really doing now is introducing the third pillar, which is your creativity, which uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy it. And people don't realize that in your creativity is your imagination, your intuition, and daydreaming. How many teachers have said, hey, wake up, quit daydreaming, you're not working. That's not true. Neuroscientists today have observed our brains and said, guess what? Your brains are working harder when you're relaxed, daydreaming, because you are subconsciously thinking intuitively about how to get answers and your brain's more active than when you're trying to squeeze every last bit of work out of it. And this is one of the biggest things Mark helped me appreciate because I'm most people stay up all night trying to get something done. Yeah, I've heard about successful companies where they make people take their weekends off in order to become partner and directors. I like McKenzie and Company. Was, my ex-wife was one of the partners and directors. And I thought, wow, this rough really does work. People know about it, but they don't talk about why. It's just a natural brain function. So 
you really need to take pleasure breaks. Relax, enjoy your life. And this is where your brain enjoys taking a break uh, from trying to figure something out or working hard. And many people realize that their best thinking happens in the subconscious place. Uh, resting your brain's decision-making efforts is not only more productive and even necessary, but gosh, it's enjoyable. You reduce the stress. I mean, I find myself taking a breath right now talking because I, I just know how good it feels. It builds self-confidence um, and more satisfaction into our lives. Now, this sets the stage for our fourth pillar, which is the one uh, that I really enjoy the most. And that's just relaxing into my self-awareness, which, I mean, this is the highest brain function that makes learning easier and more pleasurable, builds upon the first uh, three pillars, uh, becomes very comfortable because it's easy to do. We just notice we come presence and let the other three pillars work for us. Now, there's traps in some of these pillars, like in the first pillar of desire, if people don't enjoy these other circuits, they can become too selfish and greedy. And oops, they're trapped. And we know people like that. Well, that's not the best way to create inner wealth. In fact, and even outer wealth because you're not as good <laughs> at getting successful. So by growing through these four pillars of wealth and noticing how viable self-awareness is, uh, and this is something that we should teach our people not to fight, is our natural desire and curiosity in the first pillar, uh, enjoy a little bit of relaxation and pleasure, uh, daydream, think about what uh, your intuition tells you. And by using our self-awareness, our brains are better able to be present with whatever is going on in our lives intuitively and just know the answer easily to do things through these higher functions. This is often referred to by other people as contemplation, a higher order of thinking. And being relaxed helps a lot to make us all happen for us. But here's the key that really enhances our inner wealth. By becoming more self-aware, our brains can naturally integrate our desires and thoughts so we realize automatically how important other people are to us. This is the way we are as people. It's human nature. Family, friends, connection. During this time of COVID, a lot of people are waking up and realizing texting is not enough. They need to talk on the phone we're realizing more and more the need for connection with everybody, such that self-awareness naturally evolves within all of us to inspire social awareness. That includes wanting to be fair to others, which Mark and I talk about in our research and our online course of neurowisdom. Having empathy for what others are experiencing in life. That's a form of connection that's important to all of us. When we allow ourselves to naturally evolve the way our nature wants to. And we even want to be generous. And that's one reason we like to pursue wealth. It's because what we can do with this money for other people. And that's inner wealth. Eventually, our book goes on to talk about 
how one's self-awareness evolves into even spiritual awareness and enlightened hedonism, where what we want most for ourselves is being in service to others. And we just enjoy that when you have everything else. And by using your brain more efficiently, you get everything else. So there you have it, the four pillars. I love it, Chris. Can we just like recap them? So you've got the motivation where we have our dopamine and use that dopamine to push us forward to our goals, whatever we want. And then if we go to decision making, we know that we've, we're not going to be creative and make the most decisions if we're focused on our worries. Is that? But we, but we need to concentrate and focus on life's challenges and really lose ourselves in figuring things out. And that's like our, we concentrate. And so that decision-making is an important function. It's, it's like um, working out and doing those curls or push-ups, whatever you're doing. But you can't keep pushing up all the time. Keep going. You're doing great, Andrea. Yeah, and so then it goes to creativity. And so we've got to take those brain breaks. That's why mm. like ideas come to me when I'm exercising or showering yes. or things like that. You step away from your desk. Exactly. And that's when we get these flashes of insight. Like uh, a lot of my book titles have come that way or ideas for what's next. Who am I going to talk to next? When I was on the webinar with you, I'm writing down all these ideas. And then I step away, um, then come back to your desk and work. And then you, you become more aware of what you're building in your life. And it's no longer about you and making money. It's about impact versus income right impacting the world other people versus thinking about oh i want to make this much money to for myself i want it for others now that's really where you are and why you're coming on to help me today is that and, that's, and, and that's the uh fourth pillar of self-awareness leading to social awareness and how we care about connection and being of service to our people what i love about what you're saying and summarizing these andrea is that I love helping my students and people I come in contact with in whatever capacity might be, wake up, not just to new concepts, but reorganizing what life's been teaching them all along to say, oh gosh, I just connect these little things a little differently and wait a minute, that's a better connection. Oh, I already know that. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and we wouldn't be here if we didn't have your research about how the brain works, because when I took some of these concepts to educators, they told me, I want you to go deeper into how the brain works. And that's when I reached out to Mark Waldman. I thought, you know, I don't know how the brain works. So I contacted him and you guys were just writing neurowisdom. He was sharing with me your draft before it even went up on Amazon. He was sharing with me, well, this is what I'm working on. Can you, can you get anything from what we're doing? And I can see how it ties into the five pillars of social emotional learning. You're talking about decision-making, relationships. These are all concepts that we're teaching to students. 
And then we're seeing that students are leaving school and they're going into the workplace and they still need these skills in the workplace and they're missing. And you saw that they need to come back in to your executive MBA students. And did you see that maybe there was some resistance when you start talking about things like meditation and you know, start thinking a different way? What were these MBA students saying when you first started sharing it with them? Well, the students uh, uh, <clears throat> knew they had goals of getting ahead and that's why they're working getting an EMBA course, which requires them to be working full-time and taking a full load, but they didn't understand that the, the mythology of what parents uh, and uneducated people were telling them as a way to get ahead uh, didn't really uh, give them the personal training, like you have your body. We're, we're like uh, brain personal trainers mm -hmm. and saying, hey, come on. Do your curls, do your push-ups, do them right. You're going to hurt yourself. Or you're just not going to build your body. Well, in this case, your brain, so that you can get to where you want to go. Because they have to train for events, whether it's a marathon or a decathlon and the Olympics. Our Olympic athletes have to train. Well, anybody uh, can train their brains just to function better to get to where they want to go, whatever that is. Right. So does NeuroWisdom contain any practical exercises that people hearing our podcast could practice in order to do this and use their brains better? Well, that's one of the <clears throat> uh, wonderful things about work with Mark Waldman and teaching our AMBA students because uh, over the years as we're teaching our AMBA students and uh, experiment with different exercises to see which one works. Um, yes, we now have more than 50 specific exercises contained in our online neurowisdom course that people can practice, most of which take less than one to two minutes uh, to do, so they can immediately experience the benefits. Um, when I talk about the four pillars, I'm giving you a generic example and an overview, but these exercises are things that our students practice and um, they didn't wanna, the problem is they didn't have time to take just 10 or 15 minutes out of their day. They had too much to do. Right. So we had to seduce them with one minute and demonstrate if they just do something, just try it. And see, that's our whole, that's Mark's and my whole approach. Hey, we're spending a minute to talk about, it. just try it. Mm -hmm. And that's what these exercises are all about is to just try it. And we've got more than 50 exercises, and we've even done research with our executive students and had them rank which ones are the most useful. And it turns out, People are different. Some exercises work better for some than others. And people usually end up with their favorite half dozen or 10 exercises that they just rely on and help them get through each day to just enjoy life more and keep reminding my the brain's better. Well, can you go ahead and briefly describe for our listeners how they can do um, some of these exercises? I sure can. And uh, I'd like to just take one 
that uh, has uh, been surprisingly successful. And we've been published uh, articles and the Journal of Executive Education uh, reporting our success uh, with this particular exercise. And we call this exercise, which I'll be happy to share, we call it our inner values exercise. Um, now, do we have enough time, Andrea, where I could actually uh, describe the exercise like we might do to our executive MBA students uh, in the first class when we're meeting with them in a two-year program? Oh, absolutely. If you could just share this activity so that we can experience it, that would be great. Okay, now keep in mind that uh, when I teach this with Mark Wallman, uh, we will actually lead them through an example of this, uh, which Mark will take them through, and that might take uh, five uh, minutes and result in a lot of silence uh, in order to kind of set them up for it. But we don't really need to do that for uh, our listeners to practice this tomorrow morning. Think with themselves. And I say tomorrow morning because the best time to practice this inner value exercise is when you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed and start thinking about what you have to do that day because you're most relaxed and so you don't have to go through exercise relaxing. And the inner values exercise is very simple. Uh, all our listeners have to do starting tomorrow morning is when they wake up, before they start uh, thinking about the day or getting out of bed, is to just relax and take, you know, 10, 15 seconds, maybe a minute, to just feel how good the sheets feel. Ah, I'm, I'm, see, I'm doing it right now. I just love it so much. And then you ask yourself, so your listeners need to ask themselves tomorrow morning, what are my deepest innermost values? I'll repeat that. They ask themselves this simple question to think about it and reflect for the next minute or two, just for a minute or two before we get going today. What are my deepest innermost values? And then they just wait so what occurs in their mind is they're relaxed. For one or two minutes before I spring out of bed. That's all I have to do. Now, we instruct our executive MBAs that by doing this exercise every day for 10 days, they will notice within a week, some very significant changes. And we even predict it now because it's been reported to us so many times by our executive MBAs, how this happens to them. Because after they do it for 10 days, we get our students back together and say, how to work. And we go around the class and they report, I was surprised. So these are the two things that you, our listeners today can observe just by doing this. They'll observe it. It'll happen to them. 
because they're human. And this happens to all our executive MBA students. These two things happen when they just ask themselves when they're relaxed in the mornings to focus on what are my deepest innermost values. The first thing that they will notice, which our students have reported to us, is that they are subconsciously reminded throughout their normal work day after they do this exercise, when they might do some rote performance or habit or behavior or repetitive social interaction, which might not be consistent with these deepest innermost values that they thought about and focused on that morning, that they, they pause they suddenly stop where they wouldn't have been before and they reflect and think, wait a minute, why am I doing that? <laughs> and it may just be a fleeting thing that day. It's just, just a pause. They don't even really, it's, it's like their boss says, hey, get back to work or do this, do that. And they just keep going. But there's just a little doubt that might be planted that first day. And then the next day, after they do the exercise, same thing will happen a little more frequently. And many of our students notice this phenomenon the first or second day of doing this exercise that, wait a minute, why am I doing this <clears throat> stuff? Wow. Then they start uh, taking the time when they're in the shower or working out or doing, you know, in their uh, downtime, daydream, whatever. Why do I do that? I don't have to do that. I could do this instead. Do you sure. ever get someone that says, I have no idea, like think about my innermost values and they go completely blank and they don't want to say like, how do I know what my inner values are? Do they ever give you that answer? Absolutely, we love it <clears throat> because that's the second phenomenon that we notice. Because when people ask themselves this question, whether they come up with innermost values that occur to them easily, or they have to take another minute or two to think about it, I mean, sometimes they grudgingly will say, Well, I guess family and friends. <laughs> Yeah. That's not really, that's not it. Like I had someone explain to me uh, when I was trying to figure out what mine were, because I was one of these people, what are they? I always go to things that I think are my innermost values, but they aren't. And someone said to me, think about it. Think about a, a time that you were the happiest working. What things were you experiencing with your work when you were the happiest? And I thought, wow, when I was the happiest working, I was being challenged. And so that's one of my innermost values. I like challenge and growth, but I had to be prompted to figure that out or else I went to things that weren't really my values, things that I value. It took me some time to figure them out. I'm so glad you're saying that because you're very typical of a significant percentage of our students because mm -hmm. you're stuck in your 
uh, prefrontal cortex, decision-making area, and it's a safe place to function in the world, and you can't be distracted. You, you can't trust yourself. You can't trust relaxing. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's necessary to do this exercise for 10 days, mm -hmm. because eventually what happens, this is the second phenomenon, is we force our students to come up with something and say, come on, you can, just as you are being prompted, and eventually you come up with something. Uh, and it really won't be a value at all. Well, that's day one. Day two, you've kind of conditioned yourself to, well, maybe my prefrontal cortex can take a break, a little bit. Well, maybe it won't be enough, but then you'll come up with something that sounds more like a value. Now, for people that are able to come up with what they call values, where they are or not, and don't fight it, they can say, well, my initial values are family and friends. Okay, after day three or four, they'll actually start to feel deeper inside themselves as they learn to relax and enjoy their sheets in the morning. See, not used to that. They used to hop out of bed and kick in their bus to get going. Mm. This is what neurowisdom is about. Learning that kicking yourself and your brain is not the best way to think. <laughs> so do you think, do you think, Chris, if I do this for 10 days, what you're saying that I'm going to come up with values that are different from the ones that I think I have? Uh, you would be uh, one of an extreme minority to make it past 10 days and not come up with some values. Now, there's no question that if you go for 20 or 30 days, and some of our students do it every morning, because you start noticing that your life improves because you're indirectly teaching yourself to let go of your prefrontal cortex and become mindful. What Mark and I love about this is this is a direct seduction of our students in a meditation. Now, it's ideal if you meditate for 15 or 20 minutes, as so many schools of thought have taught uh, people and religions and uh, practical mindfulness. But our Ambima students aren't going to take 15 or 20 minutes to meditate. So this is why we do this. And that's why it's value, this exercise is so valuable, is this is seduction. They say grudgingly, eh, okay, what the heck, I'll, I'll lay in bed and, okay, what, what's my air about five? I don't know. And before they that. know it, they're enjoying it. We're seducing them. Mm -hmm. Into mindful awareness. Into mindful awareness, right? Yes, and then that gets them out of getting stuck in the second pillar of wealth, which a lot of people are taught by teachers that that's how you get ahead in the world. Don't daydream, go to work. And then, oh God, paycheck. Hey, what do you wait pay daydreaming for? So this is how we are helping people uh, uh, shed the dysfunctional learning that some unenlightened teacher in grade school taught them rather than help them use more effectively 
but we know so much more now today with these neuroscience discoveries of watching people's brains and how our brains function better. Mark's and my goal uh, through teaching Zemba students is using my practical experience and his neuroscience knowledge to do what works and what we've observed for very busy, productive, motivated people to be happier and get ahead and graduate and be more grateful for their executive MBA. Well, I never saw it this way at all. So after this interview, it was almost like an aha moment of what you guys did. And I read the books and I didn't really make that connection of what you were doing, trying to get us to use our brain to be motivated, focus on letting go a little bit, be creative, become aware, think of how we can help the rest of the world and continue to be mindfully aware and then what? Is there going to be another book next? What's after NeuroWisdom? Well, uh, actually, NeuroWisdom is about the third iteration of the work Mark and I did, our executive MBAs. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark has written and published other books in the past that uh, were a result of the success we had over many years, our EMBA students. Mm -hmm. But the th nice thing about NeuroWisdom is that that is now evolving into this wonderful online flipbook course. And as it deepens and we learn further applications and exercises, these uh, four pillars still help people organize overall um, how to use their brains better. Mm -hmm. uh, and frankly, this Innermost Values course is, in my opinion, one of the key courses to get away from being stuck um, in what so many successful people that are trapped and working too hard, which is what my students typically were doing. And these concepts, for example, just this um, uh, inner values exercise, now through other exercises, with, within companies, we're finding that managers will get their employees into a group as a break in their day and ask their employees to sit down on a team, maybe it's six or seven people, and share their deepest innermost value. Well, the effect on the employees willingness to open their minds and cooperate with that jerk they have to work with is just incredibly expanded because they're shocked to find out that these other people they're working with, they're not so different from them. Mm -hmm. So these simple concepts can deepen to the additional exercises that uh, your listeners will find on markrobertwaldman.com and here's an example how managers can spend five minutes and it's not a waste of time it turns out that the employees are wasting time hating or being ticked off or not cooperating and not putting their heart into it and that's one of the keys to these new high-tech companies is learning how to cooperate 
That's what a lot of executive MBA students are there for, learning how to work in teams. That's the new education for the MBA in business. How do you work as teams? It applies not only in business, but at home. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time today to explain NeuroWisdom and the work and research that you and Mark Waldman did. If people want to see this interactive flipbook and all these other resources, they can go to markrobertwaldman.com. And thank you so much for teaching me how to bring these experiences into my daily life. I hope people try it out and see if they can get a pinpoint on what their innermost values are and really think about these four pillars of wealth and how we can use them to you know, incorporate them into our daily lives for more success and more meaning, especially these days when we're searching for that. Is there anything final that you'd like to close with before we say goodbye? I, yes, I would just like to share the concept that we talk about of enlightened hedonism at work because I totally enjoy observing and interacting with you and your brain, Andrea, that has evolved through a lot of hard work to develop not only outer success in your life, which has been demonstrated by your past career successes, but I can certainly see what a loving, compassionate person you are, and I trust my ability to know and enjoy who you are, and that's what life's all about for me. And I suggest to all your listeners that that's where we're all headed, is just to share this love of life with each other. Love it. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate you. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You as well, Andrea. And my best to all your listeners. Why I come to you, so they say in uh, Spanish culture, may God go with them all. Love it. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.